Oh, good morning, Friendship Church. Thank you for coming this morning to honor God's word and to be part of uh, our worship, incredible worship. Thanks, guys, uh, for taking us before the throne that way. I'm Mark Gold, if you don't know me, if you're a visitor. And uh, I, this is family to me. I was a youth pastor here for uh, years. And uh, oh, love you and love your kids. And uh, some of you now... Uh, we're in the youth group and, and are here with your kids. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord. Three things you need to know about me. I'm a rescued follower of Christ. I'm trying to live my life by this book, and I am crazy about my wife. And uh, so with uh, enough of that said today, we're in the middle of a four-week series where this is the second week of John 3.16. I can't believe I get to talk about this. Today is the hardest of the four topics for me. Uh, and and we're, we're talking about for God so loved the world. Now, last week we talked about perishing, and I understand the perishing part. I understand uh, the, the judgment and, and repentance, and I need that, uh, and I'm all part of that. The word love shows up 56 times in the Gospel of John. The quality of God, of love, is there. Uh, we are uh, reminded of the love of God. Uh, my son Thomas, when he was pastoring over in Stevens Point, uh, began the fall kickoff, and you've got a fall kickoff coming. Uh, and so let me just encourage you to think about, as part of the family, where am I going to fit in? Uh, am I going to help with the youth? Am I going to help with the children? Uh, am I going to help? Where am I going to fit in? Remember about four weeks ago, we talked about the church's family. The church is not a spectator sport. Uh, that we don't come for 58 minutes on Sunday morning and check it off, or we don't just watch a video on TV, but we ask God as part of the body, as part of the building, as part of family, where do I function and fit in? And today you've got a chance to ask that question uh, of, do I fit in, can I sit with the youth? Can I, can I work with the children? Uh, can I work in the nursery? Every church I've ever been at has asked me to work in the nursery once. And uh, then they said, Mark, why don't you go work with the youth? And, uh, but you have a gift. You have a place. I, I thank you, Friendship Church, that you walked alongside Karen and I as we raised our three kids. That it was at Friendship Church and my son came running home from Awana and said, Dad, help me memorize these verses. And you can be the listener in Awana. Just listen to verses. And they will find a, a, a place that fits you. And you can give that. Um, the next two weeks, we're finishing up John 3.16. What a great time for you to ask God, is there a neighbor that I can invite. And I just want you to know, next week we talk about believing. And what does the word believe mean in John 3.16? And how does that break the back of religion? And uh, there are people that you know that need to hear what it means to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Why don't you invite them to come next week? And then the last week, the first week of September, we're talking about shall not perish by death everlasting life. And it's just going to be a celebration Sunday morning where we talk about heaven. And we talk about John 10.10. We talk about abundant life. And who could you invite? Now, this is the truth. Neighbors of yours are sitting at home going, I wish I could go to church. And they don't know that friendship is open. 
They don't know that, that there's a church they can go to, and they're tired of watching online, and they're just waiting for somebody to say, hey, why don't you go to church with me? Uh, the church that Karen and I now attend in New Prague uh, opened up, and because it opened up and several other churches in New Prague didn't open, uh, the, the, the people are coming from those churches, it's small town, so the word is out, there is a church open, and uh, so people are coming, and at the beginning of the summer, a gal and her husband attended, and they happened to be neighbors of our pastor, and, uh, and, and our pastor had them over for coffee, and then began a Bible study with this gentleman, and he said, Pastor, I've gone to church with my wife for the last years, I don't know how many, he said, I've never heard this message that you're telling. I've never heard this before. He said, now, pastor, I'm Jewish. He said, I would love to become a follower of Christ, but do I have to quit being a Jew? And uh, my pastor went, no, this is even better. And, uh, and celebrating this guy has just become a wonderful follower. Here's a person who would have loved an invitation to church. Here, here's, here's a person that came to Christ because of COVID, Amen. And uh, so, uh, maybe you've got a neighbor who would love to come to church. And you could say to them, uh, you know what, we're just celebrating John 3.16. Why don't you come this couple weeks and be part of all that? Today we're talking about God's love for us. Now, I want to talk about John 3.16 for one minute, that John 3.16 is not a good luck charm. It's not something that you wear on, a, on, on your necklace and so it gets you out of trouble. It's not something that you uh, hold up on a placard or you wear on a bracelet and, and it gets us out of stuff. Maybe you remember the rainbow hair guy of the late 80s who would go to all the national, base, national baseball games and he'd always sit behind home plate and he would hold up John 3.16 so it got seen on all the cameras and, and, uh, or he would go to the sit on the 50-yard line line of football games. He went to the Kentucky Derby. He went to a lot of the international tennis matches uh, purposely to hold up John 3.16. Well, it turned out that he was using John 3.16 not to communicate the message. We would hear often people say, I saw John 3.16 on TV. Uh, is that an address? Is that a phone number? Uh, what is John 3.16? Turned out that he was using it to draw attention to himself uh, for uh, personal gain. Um, you can check that out. You may have heard this story. I don't read normally, so put up with this. It begins with Tim Tebow highlighting the verse. During, you remember, you saw the picture of John 3.16? Uh, during the college football national championship in 2009 and culminates in a number-crunching miracle of statistics exactly three years later in the NFL playoffs. We were playing for the national championship in college on January 8, 2009. I decided to wear John 3.16 under my eyes. And during the game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16 when they saw it. And it was a pretty cool moment, Tebow said. Fast forward to 2012, Tebow's a Denver Bronco playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. After the Broncos won, he headed into the post-game press conference when his public relations representative stopped him. He said, Timmy, do you know what just happened? 
And I was like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. And he was like, no, do you realize what just happened? I was like, okay, tell me. He said, it's exactly three years later from the day that you wore John 3.16 under your eyes. Tebow continued. I was like, oh, that's cool. He said, no, I don't think you realize what happened. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the game were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. So, the next time I have a flat tire, I'm going to say, John 316, and all the tires are going to blow back up. The next time I have engine trouble, the next time, I, the next time I'm in the store and I don't have the three right pit. No, John 316 is not, this is, this is fun, but sometimes John 316 has just become so familiar to us. I remember uh, going to a church, preaching at a church, and before I got up to preach, they, the church had had a John 3.16 competition. Who could say John 3.16 the fastest? And in the children's department, they had a little eight-year-old get up and say, he wins, go ahead. And everybody just clapped. Well, it's good that this boy had to memorize John 3.16. I love that. He had to hide in his heart. It's always before him. But John 3.16 is not our toy. It's not our plaque. And we need to be sure that we bury down and grab the truth in John 3.16 that God so loves us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. If you Google John 3.16, you'll come up with this story more than any other story. Some of, the, some of the internet takes it to Chicago, some takes it to Dublin, some takes it to London, England. There's a little boy out on the winter street. He's cold, he's hungry. It's obviously winter. And, and, uh, and he goes up to a policeman and says, Sir, do you know where a kid can get a warm place to stay for tonight? And the policeman says, Yeah, go down two blocks, knock on the door, and when the person answers, you just say to them, John 3.16. So a little boy went down the street to the house the policeman said, knocked on the door, and a, and a kindly woman came to the door, and, and she said, can I help you? And he said, John 3.16, and she said, come in. And he said, coming in, John 3.16, that gave me a warm house to come into. She said, are you hungry, son? And I didn't know what to say, so I said, John 3.16. And she said, good, come to the table, and she gave me a big meal. She's saying, John 3.16 gave me a big meal. She said, would you like a place to sleep? He said, John 3.16. And she gave me a bedroom to stay in. Would you like to bathe? I hadn't bathed for months. John 3.16. And I got a bath. Just speaking the words, John 3.16 gave me a warm place and a bath and food and a bed to sleep in. Just saying the words, John 3.16. The next morning, I said to the lady at breakfast, what's the point of John 3.16? He didn't know. And she shared, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he came to realize that it was more than just the password on your computer. It was more than just a code, just a quick get in. Now, today's message is is, is 
John 3.16, that God loves is a statement for me of the unexplainable. To, under, to, 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 to say that God loves the world he gave his son is hard for me. When Thomas, I'm sorry, I'll finish the story. When Thomas was speaking at Stephen's point, and it was go back to school, college was beginning, uh, it, that Sunday, a number of, uh, two girls had come to the campus uh, to work with crew, and so they had to get there early to set up uh, for the crew meetings that were going to happen. And so there weren't many people on campus that week. Uh, and so they were walking across campus one day, and they saw a gentleman, mid-30s, walking across campus having, on, on uh, crutches, having trouble walking. And they just went up to him and said, Sir, you want to join us for lunch in the cafeteria? So they went and they ate lunch together and laughed together and had a great time together. And they joined for supper, and the next day for several meals, the next day for several meals, they became friends with this guy. And on Sunday morning, there was a knock on his dorm door, and he who's here on Sunday morning, went to the door, and these two college girls were standing there, and they said, what do you want? And they said, you're going with us. Where are we going? So they said, it doesn't matter. And uh, so he put, they put him in his car and took him to my son's church, and uh, where he got to hear about God's love. And my son said, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? And during the week, they went out, and Thomas said, tell me the story. And he said, well, I was in the Middle East, and he said, I'm on a bomb squad. And uh, we go through the streets looking for bombs. And uh, he said, the bomb went off and took my legs off. He said, I've been in dark depression for a couple years. And my VA advisor said to me, "Uh, what do you want to do with your life? He said, I don't want to do anything with my life. I'm done. I don't have legs. And my advisor said, well, what do you like to do? And he said, I like to hunt and fish. And he said, well, you need to go to Stevens Point. They've got a wildlife management program there. And uh, you need to, to study that. And he said, so that's what I'm doing here at Stevens Point. I'm learning to be a wild a park ranger, uh, work with the National Wildlife, something like that. And my son said, well, tell me the rest of the story. He said, we were walking through one of the streets, and uh, two of us, and we're looking for landmines. And we knew when we tripped the light or the wire that we were late. It was too late. And the guy that was with me jumped past me and threw his body on the bomb. And he was blown to pieces. When I came to in the hospital, he said, I don't have any legs. He said, how do I live with the fact that somebody threw themselves on a bomb for me? And Thomas said, let me tell you the rest of the story. And he said, God loved you so much that he threw his son on the bomb for you. Now, this kind of love is unexplainable to me, folks. If I read uh, this familiar story uh, in Genesis, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I don't understand this. I'm just being honest. If God said to me, sacrifice Thomas, There's a lot that God could ask me to do that I would do. 
But if God asks me, sacrifice Thomas or sacrifice Jennifer or sacrifice Christy, I, I, I don't understand this. And yet John 3.16 says God loved me so much that he sacrificed his only son. It's unexplainable. I don't understand. I, I don't understand that kind of love. That God loves me that much. He says to Abraham, and we know the rest of the story. He says to Abraham, take Isaac and go sacrifice him. And I, I'm sure Abraham didn't flippantly go, yeah, all right. Come on, son. Um, story you probably know. There's a movie. You can YouTube it. It's called The Bridge. It's a Czech movie. Uh, it's got subtitles. It's a heartbreaking movie. There's, there's a man who operates a train bridge that rises, it's a, that rises and comes as the river traffic goes through. Um, and so one day he, he takes his eight-year-old son to work. And in the beginning of the movie, you see they have to walk through the train station. And uh, you see the people loading up on the train. And the man makes it on and he goes, keeps walking, 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 gets to the bridge where he's going to work. And they climb the stairs and they're up in the wheelhouse uh, preparing for uh, his day's work. And the son says, I'm just going to go play dad. And his dad says, be careful. And so the son leaves the picture and he's running up and down the stairs. The train leaves the station loaded with people we've been introduced to. Uh, the bridge is up because boats are coming. Uh, the guy in the house uh, gets a phone call that says lower the bridge. And so he's looking for his son. And the next time we see, he looks down and his son has gotten into the gear house. What little boy wouldn't go to see the machines in the gear house? And the little boy slips and gets caught in the gears. He can't get out. The train's coming. The little boy's in the gears. And the father has to make a choice. If I lower the bridge, I kill my son. If I don't lower the bridge, the train wrecks and all the people die. And so the movie shows the crisis in the man's heart and the man's eyes. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. I can teach that, but I don't understand it. That God loves me so much. Uh, one of the first times that I heard this illustrated, and we all know a story like this, uh, in an art gallery in France, World War I, um, there, there's a picture of a World War I soldier, French soldier, and there were some men who were trapped over here and they had to get a message to get out or they would all be killed, but the communication line had been broken. And so a soldier was sent out to repair the line so that they could get the message, but there was too big of a hole. And so he grabbed the wire in one hand, grabbed the other wire in the other hand. I don't understand the electric current part of this. But the electric current tore through his body, but it completed the circuit so that they could find out. And all of the soldiers were rescued, and he died. That's a picture of the love that's here. And uh, for God so loved you and I that his son grabbed the wire. And it tore through his body so that we could be rescued. 
For God so loves the world. Now, the story goes on, and you know this about Isaac and his son. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham said, faith. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. And God provides a ram. Uh, Because of time, we're going to skip those three stories, and we're going we're to talk about the, the three times in Luke chapter 15 that God, Jesus, gives a picture of the love of Christ. Remember, the Pharisees were nagging Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners, those awful people. And Jesus said, well, there's really three kinds of lost people. And uh, he said, the first story, you remember, uh, he said there was a shepherd that had a hundred sheep. We talked about sheep last week, not real smart. And, uh, and there were a there were hundred sheep and he got them back in the fold and he counted them. What did they and he had 99. There was one lost sheep. And it, the picture of God's love for us, the shepherd goes tearing out. 99 are safe. He goes tearing out back into the fields, into the woods, into the, and, and, and looking for the one sheep. He gives up his safety and comfort for the night. And he goes running back and finds the one sheep. And when he finds it, he rejoices. A picture of God's love for you. God tears out of the sheepfold and goes out to wherever you are. God loves you so much. And then he says, there's a second story, Luke 15. He said there was a woman that had 10 coins. Now, you know the story behind the 10 coins. In order for a woman to get married, she had to have 10 coins. Uh, I don't know if it's dowry or that's, it was required in marriage for it to have 10 coins. And so a girl would carefully manage these 10 coins. Maybe when she's five years old, grandma gives her her first coin and a little box to keep them in and says, now take care of these because this is, and as she grows older and collects coins, they become more and more and more precious to her until she can have these 10 coins. And in my mind, Every night she takes out the 10 coins. She's got 10 now. She can get married. And, uh, and so she takes out the 10 coins and every night she prays over them and thanks God for them. And she counts them, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, because you watch the Sesame Street. One, two, three, four, five, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, nine, ten. And, and so one night she's counting them, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine. <clears throat> oh, I missed One, two, three, four, five, nine. And she's lost her 10th coin. You know that feeling? Like when you can't find your cell phone or your car keys or your wallet, you know? That, ha! She can't find that 10th coin. And the Bible says she tears her house apart. Looking for that 10th coin. Jesus, that's a picture of God. Tears the house apart because he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to be lost so much. That he sweeps the house from corner to corner, looking for you, his lost coin. And then the third story we all know so well is the story of the prodigal son. There's a rebellious teenager who says, Daddy, give me half of the, give, give me my inheritance. And he goes and wastes it. And he winds up in a pig pen uh, covered with pig manure, a good Jewish boy covered with pig manure. And, uh, and he says, he comes to his senses, the Bible says, which of my father's servants has plenty to eat and more, I'll get up, I'll go to my father and I'll say, Father, make me like one of your hired servants. And so he gets up filthy, covered in in all this excrement, and he goes home, and the Bible says his dad sees him a long way off 
And his dad runs to him and covers him. Uh, if you read the Bible, it says kisses him. Uh, and, and you know, because we've taught it before, the word kiss right there means he kisses him and then kisses him and 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 kisses him until he becomes uncomfortable. Okay, dad, I get it. Kisses him and 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 kisses him. This is my son who was lost. He was dead and he's alive again. And Jesus said, God's love for you is like the love of the father for the prodigal son who is watching for you on the hillside. And when you come back to approach him, he will run to you and will smother you in his love and kisses for God so loves the world that he gave his only son. And we come up with this, what's it cost God? The scripture says, and God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a story we tell, this is the miniature version of Adam and Eve and God in the garden, and Adam is at a point of rebellion, and he's standing on God's hand. I'm making this up. He's standing on God's hand, and God has has just told him, don't eat the fruit. And Adam has gone and eaten the fruit. And, and God is weeping. And what are you doing? And Adam turns. Now, Adam, remember, is just a little thing of clay. He's just a, some mud that God has put together and breathed on him life and given him physical life. And so Adam is standing on God's hand and Adam turns around and looks at creator God and says, why don't you just back off? Give me the garden. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I want to eat that fruit, I'll eat that fruit. And me and the woman, we're going to go anywhere. And Now, if you were God holding this lump of dirt on your hand, talking to you like that, what would you do? I would too. We can start over, folks. We can start over. What does God do? God becomes an Adam. Wow. God becomes a man, spends 33 years on earth, and then is crucified for Adam. God so loves us that he gave himself, his son, that if we would believe, we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. If you grew up in child evangelism fellowship, you'll remember the story of the little prairie hen in the Midwest. We had these huge places of prairie and a family had moved there 100 years ago and they built their cabin and uh, the little boy and girl would go out every morning and there was a prairie chicken that would play and run around and they would laugh and enjoy watching those prairie chickens as they'd run around. Well, she had... First service, I call them biddies. That's what we call baby chicks. Apparently, that's not a Minnesota term. She had baby chicks. And, uh, and so the boy and girl enjoyed watching that. And, but a lightning storm came and set the prairie on fire. And there was this horrible sweep of wind and prairie fire. And the temperature gets so hot. And uh, the cabin is spared. Uh, but they go out the next morning and the earth is just charred. And so they wonder what happened to the prairie chicken. And so they're out just kicking through the clumps of ashes. And they find the mother chicken's body baked. 
No feathers are left on the back of it. The hen is baked. And they said, I wonder what happened to the biddies. And they knocked over the mother hen's body, pried underneath, and underneath, completely unscathed, completely healthy, were those six to eight little biddies. The mother completely insulated them from the fire with her body. She gave her body. For God so loved me that he laid over me and insulated me with his body. And the fire scorched over the top of him so that I wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. True, uh, there's a tribe in South America, and they were dying early. Uh, they were dying younger than all the other tribes in this particular region. And so the government sent in some people to study and find out why, and they found out that there was a particular insect that would crawl into the huts, the wood of the huts, and somehow that affected the life of these villagers. Their lifespan was shorter. And so they went to the villagers and said, we've got good news for you. And they said, what? They said, we found out why you're dying so much younger. And the villagers said, why? And they said, it's because of this insect in your house. We can either relocate you to another part of the country, or we can burn down your houses, and you need to build them out of another kind of wood. Good news? The villagers said, this is our culture. These are our houses. We will die here. How tragic would it be for us to look at a Savior and say, thank you, but this is my culture. This is my lifestyle. This is what I'm comfortable with. And so I'm going to walk past the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross that you would sacrifice your son for me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me that much. God, let me never flip through John 3.16, but let me get hung up on the word love, that you loved me so much that you gave your son, that if I would believe in you, I wouldn't perish, but I'd have everlasting life, that Jesus, God showed his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. God, this morning, I pray that there will be people here who will say, God, I need you. I invite you to pray with me if you've never prayed this before. God, I need you. I need a Savior. I know I need a Savior. I need you. Come into my life and take over. Forgive me. I believe. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. Heavenly Father, 
I invite you to pray this. Heavenly Father, I need you. Come into my life and take over. Forgive me for my sins and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. If you prayed that prayer, you began right now the great adventure that God created you for. In Jesus' name, amen.